0: This episode of 11 Point Collar has been brought to you by Beyond the Sock and Weirdos Like You. It's 11 Point Collar, hosted by J.D. Frog Scout Hansel. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. I'm JD Hansel and this is the 51st episode of 11 Point Collar. This is also the shocking conclusion to my three-part series on the Beyond the Sock workshop. Sorry, pardon the announcer voice. Uh, If you're not familiar with the workshop, you probably want to listen to episodes 49 and 50, in which I did recaps of the first few days of the workshop, and talked with some of the workshop's instructors. In episode 49, I talked with Pasha Romanowski, the puppet builder behind ProjectPuppet.com, and in episode 50, I interviewed Noel McNeil, who has been puppeteering on Sesame Street since the 80s, and is perhaps best known as the puppeteer of Bear on Bear in the Big Blue House. But today, in the SHOCKING CONCLUSION you'll hear my recap of the last day of the workshop and I'll talk a bit about the workshop as a whole uh, essentially summing up what's so cool about it and why you should go next year if you get the chance. And then, you'll get to hear my interview with puppeteer Peter Linz. Louie, that was that was your cue for the sound effect. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, thank you. Hey, don't you think it's a little bit misleading that you're making it sound like you have a big listening audience, when we all know that you only have two listeners? Louie, you were not supposed to tell anyone that! Uh, Everyone, uh, please excuse me. I'm gonna go beat up Louie. Please hold for a second. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, You may have noticed Louie in the last episode, too. Um, he keeps hanging around my house for some reason, and he's really annoying, but I can easily trick him into doing work for me. So, getting back to Peter Linz, um, Peter has been puppeteering on Sesame Street for quite a while now, and he performed Tutter and Pip on Bear in the Big Blue House. While I'm sure he's best known for doing puppetry for Scooby-Doo Adventures the Mystery Map, he's also performed that that one Muppet guy from the last two Muppet movies. He, he was the big Muppet fan, um, I don't know, I didn't pay any attention to him, but Uh, We've got a fun show for you, but first, here's the contact info and housekeeping stuff. Actually, let me clarify that that was sarcasm. Walter is more popular than the Scooby-Doo mystery map thingy thing by quite a bit. In fact, Walter is one of my favorite Muppets ever, if not my favorite, and I think I did a Henson history segment about him in a previous episode of the podcast. So to listen to previous episodes of the podcast, such as the one on Walter, you can go to the show's website, MuppetHub.com. I hope you liked that segue because I put a lot of thought into it. At MuppetHub.com, you can find previous episodes of the show, as well as puppet videos and Muppetational articles. It's a great way to see what's going on in the Muppet world and listen to one of the few Muppet podcasts that is still in production. That's this one right here. You can contact me by emailing me at jd11pc at gmail.com or filling out the contact form on the website. You can like Muppet Hub on Facebook at facebook.com slash jd11pc and follow us on Twitter at jd11pc. That's jd11pc. And now, here is the SHOCKING CONCLUSION to 11-Point Collars 3-Part Series on the 2014 Beyond the Sock Workshop for puppetry for television and film. Well, I must confess, I am not recording this right after Day 5. I'm recording it a few days later because Day 5 was so busy. It was a very big day. It went from 9 to 9.30. I could not eat breakfast that morning because I was so nervous about the big performance at the end of the day. It seemed like it was going to be a lot of fun doing this performance, but, well, I, I was nervous because I was going to be in front of a bunch of people. There was going to be an audience. I wasn't prepared for that when I signed up for the workshop. And I had written a song that I wanted to do for the performance, and I pre-recorded it the night before and arranged—well, didn't I didn't arrange the music. I edited the music. It was a parody of Chances Are by Johnny Mathis, and I changed it to My Right Arm. And it was all about how my right arm was very, very tired, and so my head was getting in the shot, and I couldn't keep eye focused. That, that was what the song was about, and it was... I thought it was pretty clever for something that I came up with uh, in a few days. So, when we got to the workshop, the puppet building workshop, the puppets all came back from the magical sewing machine land. Uh, Where we had sent them in order to be put together because we had hand-sewn a lot of pieces But they still needed to be put together by some sewing machines to save time We had other people do that so that we could just focus on details on the last day and I spent a lot of time on those details Even though it was mostly just eyes and hair, but I messed up the eyes big time Because, apparently, what you're supposed to do when you're building a puppet is you're supposed to do the eyelids and the eyelashes and all the details around the eyes first. Then, you lock the eyes in place, and then, lastly, you put on the pupils. I locked the eyes in place, and then I put on the pupils, and then I did all the details. That was not helpful. Because of that, it made it very, 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 very difficult to get the eyelids on properly and I needed those eyelids. So, I had to go to the TV studio with an unfinished puppet. I was actually in the fortunate group, though, because the other group, because of the way that they were scheduled, was not able to practice with their penguin puppets. They had to practice their acts for the big show with the puppets that were available in the studio. So I was still lucky that I had my penguin. But I didn't have all that much time to finish with all the details on the eyes and the hair and that kind of thing with my puppet. So I really wanted to get back to Pasha's shop. But... I still had to practice this and we also had to practice a song. We were all doing a great big group number at the end of the show. It was All You Need Is Love by the Beatles. So we had to practice our number and our choreography and fitting all of our people together in there without too many heads showing or faces showing the whole time. And boy was that tricky choreography. It was it was tough getting everybody in there doing the same thing at once even though I guess really the choreography was simple. It was just the arrangement of the people so everyone could see a monitor and was doing the same thing all in sync. That was what was tricky. And then once we got to practicing our own bits, that was kind of fun. Though I wasn't able to do too much because I needed some help figuring out how to do my act properly. I had a clever song that I was working with, but I didn't know how I could make the most of it. And when Noel came over, he seemed to really like the song. And he asked where I found it, and I told him that I wrote it, and it was me singing, and he was pretty surprised. Because apparently, my Dean Martin impression sounds very different from my actual voice, so he couldn't even tell it was me until I told him. Still, he liked the song, and he had a really great idea for how we could make it better. Rather than just having my Penguin singing that song solo like I was going to do, Noel decided that there should be another character there that can be playing the piano, since there was piano in the background music in my song, And that character would be constantly putting my puppet back in place whenever it made a mistake. So, Noel got his dog puppet, which was a nice live hand, and he practiced playing the piano and then grabbing my puppet and putting it back where it goes. And we worked out a routine that was really, really fun. And then I rushed back over to Pasha's workshop, where he was able to save the day and fix those eyelids and get them on, looking really, really nice so that I had a lovely, pretty little puppet. Thank you, Pasha. And then... I started working on sewing together a little wig for him, which is all pinned in, and I'm still using the pins to hold in that wig. It works well, and I'll be able to change out the wig when I have the time to put together a better one, but, at the end of the day, I was, I had spent most of the day working in the workshop, actually, just trying to build this puppet, and just working on details. That was most of the day, up until the time when the workshop was technically over, but We still had to come back for the performance later. So, went out, got dinner, came back, and we did photos because everyone got to take a photo with the puppet that they'd built, and we did a group photo. No, wait, I think the group photo was after the performance. So, I'll just skip to the performance. And during the performance, we all got to sit and watch. Some of us had to stand and watch, but most of us got to sit and watch as Peter and Noel were so brilliant in their, I think it was ad-libbing. I'm pretty sure they did not have the time to write a script for the show. They just had time to write the order of the acts. And they hosted it so well. I mean, everything that they did was clever. And uh, there were a few times when their heads got in the shot, and rather than ignoring it, they made a big deal out of it, and they really made fun of themselves with those puppets. It was so great to watch, and Pasha became a running gag throughout the show. Because... Whenever one of the puppets had had some work done on their fur or on their clothes, they went over to Pasha's. And the opening number in the show was really pretty cool. I mean, every act in the show was clever. I gotta hand it to all of the people who were at this workshop and came up with a really, really nice fun sketch to do, some of which were stand-up comedy, some of which were lip-syncing to songs, but even when they were just lip-syncing, they made the most of it, and they made it really interesting and fun to watch, not just fun to listen to. And so I have a lot of respect for all of them. But the opening act was called Beyond the Sock, and it was a parody of Beyond the Sea, and it was sung by a very old uh, crooner type. So, while I was doing sort of a younger, probably 40-ish crooner, and I was doing a parody of an old jazz-like song, he was an even older crooner that was doing a parody of a jazz song that might be even older. Um, And so, it was interesting how our acts were very, very similar, and that's probably why we both liked each other's acts, because I guess we have similar tastes. Uh, That opening number, by the way, was done by a fellow named Andy who is a pretty big Muppet fan, so you might see him hanging around the Muppet fan sites sometimes. And it's also worth mentioning that a fellow by the name of Connor is another Muppet fan that you might see around the Muppet fan sites because he goes to all of them, and he did a very nice performance of You've Got a Friend in Me. Every single puppet that the people at this workshop built in five days was beautiful. I got a hand it to everyone who attended that workshop. Every puppet looked great. My puppet was probably the simplest because when it came to building, I was, I think I was the slowest builder there. It generally took me a little while longer to figure out how to do what we were being instructed to do, and I was sort of always playing a game of catch-up with everybody else. But all of the people there who were not as slow as I was, boy, did they do a nice job. And they all had these, you know, fancy little... Outfits and everything that they'd either made or bought and they all had great hair and the eyes were always perfect. They, always, they typically had a little uh, bag under the eyes or bags under the eyes if it was appropriate and it looked really good. I don't even remember being instructed on how to put bags under the eyes, but somehow everybody that could do something with that did it and did it well. I mean, I was just so impressed the whole show, but I had to wait quite a while during that show before I got the chance to go up, because I was down in, I think, 18th place, or something like that. So after lots and lots of waiting, being very, very anxious, I finally got to go up and do my performance, and I was not planning on speaking, because my puppet had this great plain and boring look, and I thought it would be very, very funny if he just walked up, sort of like the conductor of an orchestra at the beginning of some kind of a Muppet Show or Sesame Street sketch, how he might just walk up, look at the camera, wiggle his head in a little fancy, pompous way, and then get right to work without saying anything. But then Peter kind of threw me off. His character decided to talk to me, and so then all of a sudden I had to come up with a voice for this character, aside from his singing voice. So, because my mom told me to show off at this workshop and I wanted to obey, I did the Kermit the Frog voice. Peter then asked what JD stood for, and I had my puppet say juvenile delinquent. I got a little laugh out of that. And I even, I think I got a laugh before my puppet started speaking, because my puppet came on and did that little head wiggle as they were getting the focus just right. And I think because of my timing, I was able to get a laugh from that uh, before the puppet even spoke, and that was nice. That was one of the things that I was hoping would happen, is that I could get a laugh... Before I had to speak so that was fun and when we did our song it went very well At first people didn't know what they were seeing because the puppetry was bad on purpose And once they figured out that it was bad on purpose then it was great, but before then they were kind of confused because They had heard that I was pretty good. So in the end the performance turned out very nice Uh, At the end I kind of messed it up I was supposed to drop the puppet as soon as the dog's hand dropped the puppet But instead, I, for some reason, couldn't see or feel the dog's hand releasing my penguin. And because of that, the dog kind of had to push me forwards a bit, which then prompted him to fall out of the shot. So it still looked and sounded cool. It was still cool. And it was still fun. And then I got to watch the rest of the show without being very nervous. And it was a fun show. And we did the closing number, and that was all fun. And at some point, we're going to get a DVD this show. I can't wait for that to happen. After the show... We all went to the theater where we had gotten together before, and that's when everybody was signing each other's stuff and exchanging names and numbers and business cards and getting photos, lots of hugs. I got my photo with Noel and Peter, and most people did, and I was able to persuade them into signing things, and that was really nice. A great way to end the evening. A lovely evening. Now I've got a signed copy of The Muppets, and it turned out to be a really, really great day and a great way to finish up the workshop. It was so much fun. So, why should you go to be on the sock? Well, for one thing, you get to meet some other people that share your passion for puppetry. Being with one's own people is an experience that a lot of puppetry fans don't often get and getting to spend a week with other puppeteers, Muppet fans, and puppet builders is really special. You get to make friends with other puppeteers, exchange business cards, get tips on puppet building, and learn a lot just from being around people who do the same things that you might like to do. The second reason is you get to take home a great puppet. Even though the professional puppets you buy in stores or online are nice, this is one puppet that you get to design and make special to you. You'll get to build a puppet that's nice and flexible and looks the way that you want it to. The eyes will look great, the mouth will work great, the arm rods will be well done. You really get a great puppet out of it. Plus, you get the pattern from the puppet if you want to build another one just like it, and you'll probably have some leftover foam and fur from the workshop so you can do so. Plus, if you ever want to show off your puppet-making skills or your puppeteering skills, you'll have the perfect puppet to do that with. The third reason is the educational benefits. You will learn so much doing this that will definitely improve both your building and your performing. The stuff you'll learn goes beyond the basics that you see in YouTube videos and allows you to improve your technique in a friendly environment. Not to mention, you'll learn from the pros. The fourth reason is watching the professionals at work. Seeing what Pasha can build and how well he does it is really impressive, and it's inspiring to see that puppet building is a craft that a person can do really well with a bit of practice. Watching Noel and Peter is not only super funny, but it makes me want to practice puppetry more often so I can do it as well as they do. I guess this could kind of be lumped into educational benefits, but it's also a part of the fun that you have because you're in such awe of what they do. Or at least I was. Really though, I could watch Peter and Noel ad-lib all day. The fifth reason is getting to meet the professionals. This one was the coolest part for me. Naturally, I felt a little starstruck around Peter and Noel at first, And this is not to say that Pasha isn't awesome, but I wasn't as familiar with his work as I was with the two Muppeteers. Getting to work and talk with all three of these nice, funny, and creative people is an experience you don't want to miss out on. These people have great stories to tell and puppetry wisdom to depart. I'm glad I got to hear that, and I'm thankful that they took the time to talk with me. This, of course, brings me to my last interview in this series on Beyond the Sock. So here's my chat with Peter Linz. Well, here I am with professional puppeteer and Muppeteer, Peter Linz. Uh, Say hi. 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 You may know him from uh, Muppet stuff, like the 2011 uh, Muppet film and Muppets Most Wanted as uh, Walter, or uh, a few characters on Bear in the Big Blue House, and um, you've done a lot of work for Sesame Street, of course. I'll start by asking um, a whole bunch of questions that I ask Noel, I guess. Um, So how did you first get interested in puppetry?
1: i I don't recall a time in my life when I wasn't interested in puppetry. basically came out of the womb with a puppet on my hand and uh, they tried to put me up for adoption, but no one would have me, so my parents were forced to keep me you know I, the The lore in my family goes that my father put a hand a puppet on my hand when I was three years old and uh, showed me how to wiggle it and make it work. But the earliest memory I have of course, is Sesame Street and just being completely enamored with the Muppets.
0: And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just started very, very young for me. Okay. How did you get, I you know what, I bet you this, it's going to be the same story as uh, with Noel. I was going to ask, how did you get um, involved in the Beyond the Sock workshop? I'll ask anyway. It's the, it's the identical story. To whatever Noel said, that's how I got involved as well. Okay. I'm mostly
1: saying that just to be lazy, but also because it's true. Okay. All right. You know, and and uh, kudos to James Martin for sticking to it, and, and it took him four years to do it, but, uh. He managed to put together this workshop, and uh, not just not just any workshop, it's an amazing workshop. Not mm-hmm. only do the participants get four days of intensive training, but there's four separate camera setups, so everybody gets a huge amount of on-camera time, and you get to walk away with a, a T-shirt and a DVD of your performance at the end, along with some fun behind-the-scenes things. And a puppet that you built that's yeah. completely television-ready and friendly. And you're doing a really good job of promoting this for next year. It's a, it's a flippin' amazing workshop. I wish, oh my gosh, I wish there were, had been a workshop like this when I was starting out and when I was learning. This is, would have been invaluable.
0: Well, uh, when you're teaching at this workshop, what are, what is your inspiration? What have been your sources? What have you been uh, thinking? Who who trained you that you were thinking of when you yeah. were training others?
1: Sure, that's a great question. Um, I completely channeling all of my mentors, in particular, my first two mentors, my first two teachers, uh, Kevin Plash and Steve Whitmire, of course, who... Good teachers to have. They were, yeah, you're right. It's hard to get better than that. My very first uh, workshop, my first five-day workshop, and a year later, uh, a great honor to be trained by Marty Robinson, Kathy Mullen, and Pam Marciero, who have since, you know, gone on to, uh, very blessed to call them my very dear friends. So far... Uh, this week, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt your question, but I have to give a, a special shout out to Marty, who continues to teach to this day, and oh, who's so incredibly generous uh, of his time and of his creations. You know, he lent me uh, not just last year, but this year as well, uh, about a dozen or so of the puppets that he uses in his workshops, along with a bag full of ping pong ball eyes that we also use in training.
0: That's a nice shout out. He's never going to hear it. I know, but... but that's all right. I have to do it anyway. Okay. Unless you tell all of your friends to listen, which you could do, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Subtle. So far this week, uh, what's been your favorite part of the
1: workshop? Oh, by far my favorite part of any workshop is seeing the participants start to get it. And mm-hmm. seeing them start, just the, that light in their eyes, when like, they, it's something finally clicks. And particularly if someone's been having a really hard time with everything being backwards or with eye focus or lip sync and sudden something happens that it just flips in their brain and they start to get it and they start to have fun you know it's it's a lot of work it's a tremendous amount of work you're learning how to think about 100 different things simultaneously oh yeah and also you have to act and perform but of course when you start (laughs) out you're just like okay turn now fix the eye focus lip sync lean a little bit it's, it's a lot. To, it's a, people don't realize how much it is to take in. Yeah. And I just love seeing that moment when the students start to get it. It just starts to gel for them. And uh, usually that's about three days in. <laughs> but it's because it's, you see them working so hard and getting so frustrated. And I'm going on and on. But it's uh, as a teacher,
0: it's, it's hugely rewarding to see that happen, to see them finally start to really love what they're doing. So then, are you noticing that um, you're kind of remembering what you were like when you were starting out when you're watching other performers, or or Uh, other the other puppeteers in the workshop?
1: I don't know about watching them, but some of the things I hear them say remind me of things that I felt. Like, for instance, today had one of the participants who's uh, been doing puppet shows for many, many years. She has her own company with her husband, and she says doing it, and she's been doing live shows switching from live hand puppet shows to doing it in front of a camera it's like having to relearn She's like I, I might as well have never done this before and that's exactly I, how I felt when I started because I had been doing you know, live shows my whole life, in street performing and birthday parties and at churches and whatever and suddenly on camera it was as if I had never done it before because it's so different, it's so much more intimate the movements, everything is so hugely specific and you can't get away with broad strokes. You know, in, in live theater, you can paint in really broad strokes. Television, film, everything has to be hugely precise. And I, I remember that vividly.
0: I'm going to take this in a different direction now, and I'm trying to figure out how I want to phrase this question. What's it like taking on a character like Walter that sort of represents such a huge group of people? I didn't think about him that way at all. Okay, When, uh, when
1: I first you know, had the audition and, and got the role, I couldn't think about him that way at all. Huh. He was just—he was just a guy. He was a really—he was just a, a simple guy who didn't really fit in in his community. And at a, at a young age, well, I guess he was supposed to be a teenager in the film when he discovered the Muppets, and that became his life. He became obsessed with them. And there was certainly a lot—a lot for there and me. I mean, when I went out to dinner, James Bobin, uh, our director of both films, took me out to lunch before we started filming on the Muppets, and just. We went over what his thoughts about Walter's character and he was describing, you know, he's sort of sort of at the time a typical Jason Siegel character, kind of a man child, he's an adult, but he hasn't really quite grown up and he doesn't really fit in his community and then he finds the Muppets and becomes obsessed with them. And anyway, so he's going on and on about Walter and finally he says, Well tell me a bit about yourself and I said, Well, basically I am Walter <laughs> after that description you gave me. But at the time of course I wasn't thinking it in terms of muppet fans everywhere I just okay. just I, I found him incredibly relatable and uh paradoxically it made him really really difficult for me to figure out initially really? as a character well as a, as a puppeteer you're always playing these outrageous characters or character actors and we're mm-hmm. playing oftentimes playing characters very different from ourselves and usually they're creatures they're you know they're bears or sloths or, or, or mice <laughs> or lions. And suddenly here I was playing this very human character uh, with very human emotions. And uh, it, it made it all the, all the worse when, when Bill Beretta suggested that I use my own voice instead of putting on a voice, which a lot of people say, oh, that must have been so much easier. Oh, you just get to use your own voice. How great.
0: It's one of the hardest things I've ever that had to it, learn. That made it harder, really. <laughs> it made it a lot harder. Because I know for me, there was definitely so much... I don't think genuineness is a word, but if it is, I'm going to use it. There was a lot of that in the voice. And that, uh, in the whole personality, it just seemed so real and so genuine and not character That didn't mean that he didn't get over the top at times. Oh, sure. Because in, uh, in Muppets Most Wanted, there's a scene when Gonzo goes, I can't remember, I guess they're on a train, and he gets shot out of a cannon or something and goes yes. flying towards Walter's face. Uh-huh. And Walter makes this face for just a half a second. It's just a half a second. And it's the most outrageous, scrunched up face ever. <laughs> and I laugh every time. <laughs> and so, But still, after that, he comes back, and he's still this real, genuine, very human character. Huh, but that's, I, not, I but just,
1: that's not the type of character I've ever played before. Really? That not was something, at all. That was something I've, different I've played right? lions and, and bears and a lot of dogs, <laughs> penguins, sheep, chickens, you know, third monster on the left, but uh,
0: <laughs> never anything quite so real. Huh? How has Walter been evolving over time? Hmm. I noticed at one point, um, this was very briefly in one interview, I think he was a Captain America fan or an Avengers fan or something like that. He had the Captain America shirt. And it's like, really? This is a fandom I didn't know he was interested in. I believe that was for a little video we shot
1: with Entertainment Weekly. Yep. And that was the wardrobe provided, and it may have been a little cross promotion going on. I tell Probably. you, the thing that I really liked about that was I just I just liked the look for him. I like the idea of just kind of a little little fan T-shirt under a blazer, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping to see more outfits like that for him. Just uh, kind of a funky, weird T-shirt, so a little little bit of little bit of creativity going on over a blazer because he's very formal, hmm. very you know wants to be properly dressed for the situation. Uh, as far as the evolution of his character, I mean, I think that the biggest leap was well, it was what people haven't didn't see, and that was between being cast as Walter and when we started filming the first film, uh because he was a lot younger sounding aside from his voice. I'm think trying to think how has his character changed at all. He's not maybe quite as wide eyed innocent as he was in the first film, you know he's with he's with the group now, yeah. but he's still a fan, he's absolutely still a fan. Yeah. And I think every day he's pinching himself that he can't believe he's act- his fortune that he's actually part of the Muppets. In fact, I know that's the case. But on the outside, <laughs> he's got to play it cool because you can't you can't be a you can't be a foaming at the mouth fanboy all the time. That's going to get old really fast. So he's got to be cool about it, which is in no way parallel to how I feel about <laughs> my good fortune about being one of the principal Muppet performers at all. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wink, wink. I've heard rumors just. Rumors that there might be a new Muppet series in the works. Absolutely, let's do it. i well, it's just I've. That's a great rumor. I want you to keep spreading that. Okay, I've heard though. It's just I think I've heard that a few times before. That one and that they're going to try and make a Dark Crystal movie at some point. Yeah, let's do it. And all these things that I don't know if they're ever going to happen. You know, the release of seasons four, the Muppet Show, all that stuff. But (laughs) if if they were. To happen though, if there was to be a new Muppet show on TV, what do you think Walter's place would be in that situation? I think he's looking out for
1: Kermit at every step of the way. I think he's—I uh, don't know if he's Kermit's yes man, but uh, kinda. He's probably doing a little bit too much for Kermit, possibly even okay. killing him with kindness a little bit. And I think uh, Walter's a great liaison between between the Muppets and and their fans. You know, the Muppets are very busy. They're they're booking guests. They're they're doing. Uh, arranging uh skits with uh their guest stars and and writing bits they they don't have time to handle all this this uh go-between with their their fan base necessarily and i think walter bridges that gap pretty nicely what do you think i don't know their social media director
0: okay so he would be the guy informing the muppets um no he he would be posting pictures on facebook check this backstage view out i took.
1: Okay. That's my finger in the shock. You believe it my (laughs) fingers backstage at the Muppet Show. Okay. (laughs) Uh,
0: I know that when I first saw Walter, I think I saw it in some promotional photo where they had used a photo puppet. Mm -hmm. And in that particular picture with that particular photo puppet, the face looked pretty hard and solid and not very real or very flexible. And then once I actually saw it being performed, it's like, wow, that's a really fantastic, expressive face. Uh, And so I'm curious, uh, did you request a flexible puppet or how did you get the puppet that you got the way that it is now? No, not at all. All of that happened long before
1: I was involved uh, with that film. I know that Jason had had wanted from the very beginning, for whatever Walter looked like, he wanted him to have something of a Kermit face. By that I don't mean that he looks like Kermit, but that he has a face that just with the smallest movement of your fingers and knuckles you could change his expression. Mm -hmm and uh, by a wonderful serendipitous thing that that's my favorite type of puppet to, to perform before Walter I had Tutter on Bear in the Big House and Tutter was basically just a glorified sock puppet and much the same thing I could change his face just by wiggling my fingers a little bit differently so that, w- that was by design that okay. was by design that, uh, that he had that super expressive face okay. so Walter really was born in Jason Segel's brain okay. uh, <laughs> that's right that's right. Uh, he was.
0: Walter doesn't quite understand that. It just came out of my brain, man.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Was Was the puppet eventually custom made to fit your hand? Because I thought you'd mentioned that.
1: Yeah, well, it, not exactly custom. Yes, on the inside.
0: Uh, right. Well, they, you know, when they started
1: building them, they asked for pictures of my hand, front and back, and then measurements, scans, all that stuff, so they could be sure it wasn't too small or too large. And then once. Uh, the head was assembled, Stefan Rotenduro, who did a lot, most of the construction, built the Walter heads, um, had me come in and I tried them on and he said, "Do you need? what do you need on the inside of the head to make it work for you? And so, you know, we worked a little bit and He he added a, a thumb, a, a, a grip, place for me to put my thumb and um, it had to be just the right angle because my thumb is bent kind of strange. And uh, he just made it just perfect so that any tiny little movement I could do with with my hand, it would register immediately on the puppets face. So it was really nice, having that little custom grip in there.
0: So uh, I'm going to start wrapping this up soon because right. I know we've, we've both got places to go and <laughs> things to do. But um, <laughs> has there been anything that the Muppets have done recently within the past few years uh, that you didn't get to be a part of that you wish you'd been a part of?
1: Um, no. It's been... um, I I mean, I think the only thing... I I would have liked to have been at the Oscars when when Brett won his Oscar for uh, for writing Man or Muppet, but that wasn't really... that wasn't a Muppets thing, that was an Oscars thing. It just happened to be the year where the uh, nominated songs weren't performed, whereas usually they are performed. (laughs) I would have liked to have been at the Oscars. Aside from that, I've been incredibly lucky. I, I have been involved, even though... Walter wasn't in all the commercials that you, that, you know, came out this past winter and spring, the, the Toyota and Subway, um, uh, Lipton, Lufthansa, all those different commercials Walter wasn't in, but I was there working on them. Mm-hmm. So is there any other Muppet thing that I would, I feel like I was a part of most of the Muppet things that happened in the past mm-hmm. couple of years. You know, I didn't get to travel the world and promote the film. That's, mm-hmm. Usually that's, that's <laughs> Kermit and Piggy to do that. And that would have been fun, but, you know. No, I, I, I believe me, I, I, I can't complain at all. I've
0: been so blessed. So lucky. So, um, wrapping this up now, uh, how often do you find that you have people that uh, will recognize you or come up to you and ask for photos or ask, hey, can you do that voice or stuff I, like I that? I have to say, after the
1: premiere of Muppets Most Wanted, Most Wanted, I can say, thankfully, that does not happen. Really? No. Maybe once every few months, maybe. Um, I had a little taste of that when we were when we were at the premiere for Muppets Most One, and unfortunately, mostly by autograph hounds, although there were a few true, true Muppet fans out there. And uh, I, can't, I don't know how the, the major celebrities do it. They can't go anywhere without being recognized and people hounding them. Uh, it's kind of wonderful to have a character that, that so many people know and enjoy. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know many successful puppeteers that haven't said this. It's great to be able to walk down the street and Mm-hmm. Go to the grocery store. I can go to the hardware store. <laughs> I can go out to dinner with my family, you know. And uh, it's it's all right. I don't have a problem with being a little bit anonymous. But I do I I do love that uh, there are people out there who like the work so much that they bother finding out the, the people behind it. And uh, I'm always I'm always happy to stop and say hello to people like that and talk to them. That's never that's never a bother or an imposition.
0: Cool, cool. So. Now, because I'm really curious. Oh boy! Um, sorry for asking you about the same character over and over again. Sorry about that. I, I should I throw in some, some more other variety. characters on yeah, other shows. Yeah, you I don't did. Know if you're familiar with them, but yeah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Between the Lions was not a Muppet production, technically. No, it wasn't at all. No, it uh, you know was created by a lot of
1: the same people who helped create Sesame Street. Yeah, but no, technically not Muppets.
0: Okay. I'm wondering how much you actually remember about what you have. Uh, Said with your characters in the past, and how much of that you can still remember. Probably in interviews, not that much.
1: Okay. Even in even some shows, I mean, with with the Muppets and Walter, it's different because they were feature films, and and uh, I remember those very very clearly, of course, because you, you, you see the films. But uh, for the television shows, people say, "Oh, you remember that time when Theo Lyon did this or said this?" And like, uh, "No, I'm sorry, I don't remember that." <laughs> We
0: do a a lot of production, we did a lot of shows, there's been a lot of scripts. Mm -hmm. Is there something specific you're wondering if I remember? Uh, Do you remember Walter's last name, and do you remember how many Muppet Palisade toys he has?
1: Wow. Yeah, I remember we came up with a joke last name, just because it was in the news a lot, uh, Blagojevich, Mm -hmm. and uh, no relation, and how many Palisades toys he has? He has almost the, the Muppet palisades. I believe he has right. almost the entire collection, except for the Dr. Doctor, uh, Doctor Teeth repaint.
0: That's... that. Yeah. Okay, you remembered all the trivia I'd, questions I'd, I had. I'd like to think I you know might. my character. <laughs> I was just curious, because I, I do know... Uh, Nolan mentioned earlier that um, with... Uh, I don't think we recorded this, but with uh, Marty Robinson, yeah, he would record something with Snuffy, and he could memorize all the lines get that down just for that performance afterwards he wouldn't remember a thing about it Marty has
1: Noel may have told you this Marty has a wonderful name for that sort of thing he calls it garbage memory
0: yeah garbage memory
1: yeah you memorize the scene and then when you're done you flush it and you clear clear space in your brain for the next thing yeah. and absolutely I use that philosophy all the really? time with so many shows but when it comes to very specific things about my characters his personality mm. and who he is where he comes from that's the I, that I hold on to
0: Huh. Really neat. Really good to know. Thank you so much for uh, sure. coming on the show and talking with me for so long. And uh, hopefully, I'll have you on the show again some other time. Thank you. Yeah, it'd be a pleasure. Thanks for listening, both you guys. All right. Well, that was. Very... Wait a second. Both of you guys. Louis, did you tell Peter Linz that I only have two listeners?
2: Oh yeah. I
0: emailed him about that a couple weeks before the workshop, because I figured you were going to ask him to do an interview for the podcast, and I figured that he should probably know that you only had two listeners, so he could mess up and nobody would hear it. I thought it might take the pressure off for him. Okay, um, Louie? Yeah? I want you to go get the big shovel in the garage, and uh, wait outside in the backyard for me to meet you there. (gasps) Okay! Alright, I need to go beat Louie over the head with a shovel, but in the meantime, here are the closing clips.
3: Wait lost sheep. I'm gonna put you, baby! Yeah, oh, big old beards, come give this little mouse a creep and squeeze, cause I'm about to find the great raw cheese. cheese. Don't hurt! There's gotta be cheese to the left, cheese to the right, cheese in the morning, and cheese at night. Nice. cheese by the light of the silvery moon, and cheese in the middle of the afternoon. So, so give me that! So, here's the map. Gonna find that cheese, and get the cheese in much, less time. in much less time than it takes to sneeze.
2: Boy, Adrift in the middle of the ocean, all alone, except for a ravenous beast.
4: What? Wait.
2: In a boat made entirely of cookies.
4: Ravenous beast?
2: Will he ever get home? Find out in The Life of Whoopie Pie.
4: Did he say ravenous beast? Hi. Ah! Uh,
2: Who are you? Yeah, me, uh, uh, me cookie monster. Who are you?
4: I am Whoopie Pie. Where did you come from?
2: Oh, uh, me crawl in here uh, and take little nappy after three-course cookie lunch. Yeah. Where are we?
4: We are adrift in the middle of the ocean. No. We are all alone. No. On a boat made entirely of cookies.
3: Yes. Ah, no, no,
4: oh, no, Cookie Monster, no, no, stop me! No, no, you you no, can't no, eat the boat! We disagree. Well, uh, if you eat the no, boat, no, no, the boat no, no, will sink and will uh, never get home! No,
2: no, no. Okay. Never get home? Mm-hmm. But me got to get home! Home full of cookies!
4: Then you have to control yourself and stop eating the boat!
2: Yeah, but boat, delicious! Actually, boat only can think about!
4: Oh, no, no, uh, no it does not ah, have no, to no, be! No, you no, can no, think no, about something else! Yeah, we can. One strategy is to think about something else and say it quietly to yourself over and over to help keep your mind focused. Whoopie Pie come up with
2: good strategy. Good? Yeah, OK, what me think about?
4: Think about trying to find land. You see that? That is a telescope. I want you to look through that telescope and try to find land. Look through telescope, mm-hmm. try to find land. Exactly. You say that to yourself over and over, while you try to find land, and I row. Got it. OK. Me look through
2: telescope, me try to find land. Me look through telescope, me, <gasps> oh, me see something.
4: Oh, is it land?
2: No. It chocolate chip.
4: What?
3: Cookie! Oh, no. ah, oh. no, no, no. Cookie monster, control yourself! <laughs>
4: uh, Cookie monster! <laughs> Cookie monster, you ate more of the boat. If you keep eating the boat, we will never get home.
2: Oh, me so sorry. Oh, oh me no, me need to control myself. Yes. But it's hard for me to think about anything else except this delicious cookie
4: boot. Yes, yes, oh. I understand. <sighs> so let me give you another strategy that will help you stay focused. While you're talking to yourself about looking for land, do it in rhyme. In rhyme? Yes. Land is what you'll think about. When you see land, you'll give a shout. Land is what me think about. When me see land, me give a shout. Now you say that to yourself over and over while you look for land, yeah. and I row. Okay. Me got this. Yes, you do. Huh.
2: Land is what me think about. When me see land, me give a whoa.
4: Oh, oh do you see land?
2: No, me see. Cookie!
4: Oh, ah, Cookie Monster,
2: control nom, yourself. Nom, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh, me eat even more of both.
4: Yes, you did.
1: <gasps>
4: oh, oh, dear. Oh, I am afraid we are never going to see our homes again. No. Me
2: can do this. Me can control myself. Me just need another strategy to help me.
4: Another strategy, yes. Good thinking, Cookie Monster. Okay, let's see. You tried talking to yourself. You tried talking to yourself in rhyme. Uh, Suppose you tried singing to yourself over and over again.
2: Me give it a try. (laughs) Uh, Row, row, row the boat. Gently cross the sea. Hey, this strategy working. Me controlling myself.
4: Yes, keep singing, Cookie Monster. Merrily,
2: merrily, merrily, merrily. Home's a place for me.
4: Bravo, Cookie Monster. You stayed focused and controlled yourself. We're on our way home. Aha.
2: <laughs> a floating cookie.
4: Snack time.
3: Row, <laughs> oh. oh, oh, row, row, row. What row. about singing? That too.
2: Will Whoopie Pie and Cookie Monster ever find land? To find out, see the life of Whoopie Pie.
0: Well, that's about it for this episode. I really hope that you have enjoyed this series on Beyond the Sock as much as I have. Before I go, I wanted to let you guys know that I'm going to be at the screening of I Am Big Bird on Saturday in Washington, D.C. So if you're going to be there, make sure you stop by and say hi. Thanks for listening, and until next time, Waka Waka, Wubba Wubba, and Weeba Weeba.
4: Muppet Studios, I can't believe it! <laughs>